You're listening to the Secret Muse Society, where we pull out the things we keep hidden about ourselves. What are the secrets that actually hold us back from the connection we crave? And what happens when we tap into the inspiration we have to offer the world? I'm your host, authenticity coach, Karen Choi. Let's dive in together. What does letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we actually are, what does that even look like? Hello, Muse. You are listening to episode 26 of the Secret Muse Society podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We are continuing on the exploration of authenticity and what it means to us. In episode 25, we went through the dictionary meaning. I offered some definitions from great thinkers and writers and artists and philosophers and dreamers. (laughs) And we even dived into the etymology of the word, which I'm just kind of totally obsessed with the origins of words and dictionary meanings these days. Because I think that words are, well, sorry, and I don't think this, I really believe that words matter because words make up our thoughts or our thoughts are made up of words. And we know that thoughts lead to actions and those actions lead to the meaning that we create in our life. So in order to create that meaning in our life on the outside, we need to get deep down into the root of the words that we're using, that we're hearing, that we're thinking, that we're saying in order to create that meaning. This is all about alignment and intention. And I don't know about you, but this gets me really excited. (laughs) Is there any such thing as an authenticity nerd? Does that just make you want to cringe? Is it kind of gross? Like I was actually thinking today while I was driving that we call people who are creative, people who value creativity, people who are creative as their professions, people who lead with creative energy, we call them creatives and we know them as creatives and it's become an identity. What if we call ourselves authentics? I I don't know how I feel about it yet. There's still a part of me that kind of groans and moans and is worried that people are going to think it's lame. But at the same time, hey, if we're talking about authenticity, cultivating authenticity is about letting go of who we think we're supposed to be, embracing who we actually are, and not worrying about too much about what other people think, then hmm, maybe that's our step is to start calling ourselves authentics the authentics. I feel like a song is in the works here. Don't worry. I will not be singing Let It Go from Frozen today in this episode. (laughs) Although I really want to, but I will end this podcast with a beautiful poem by Sapphire Rose about letting go. So I hope you will feel captured by these ideas and what I'm going to offer to you today to get to that juicy end. So today I'm going to offer you three questions to take you through letting go of what others think. These are questions that I've been playing with and using, and they've been helping me 
my clients and the people who come to me for help about to let go. And it's really important to me. And so I want to share it with you in case it helps you wherever you are in your journey. So the funny thing about letting go of what other people think of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be or embracing who we actually are is that when we think about it, when we intellectualize about it, it's very logical, right? A year ago, I sent out this survey to daughters of immigrants to hear what authenticity meant to them and where they might be struggling. And I offered three definitions of authenticity. Here they are. Living my life according to my own values, personality, and goals, regardless of external pressures to act otherwise. That received the most votes. 50% people agreed with that definition as it resonated with them the most. The second one was empowering myself to make choices that are true to my needs, wants, and desires. And three, the third one was free to express my emotions, communicate my ideas, and show my style no matter the consequences. The thing I noticed about these three amazing meanings about authenticity is that they kind of show you like what makes up who you are, right? And how you can live them. But when we think about how we lose our authenticity, when we are so focused on what other people think, it's because our energy is actually trying to figure out what are other people's values? What are their personalities? What are their goals? Or how will my choices impact them? What do they need from me? What do they want from me? What do they want in their life? Right? Or when we're thinking about what other people think, we are thinking about how do they feel? What do they think? What are their ideas? Ooh, look at their style. I like their style. And so all this attention when we're thinking about what other people think is we're actually valuing them more than we value ourselves. I was thinking about this and how humans, we're, we humans are so funny in the fact, funny, not haha, but funny and contradicting and we can hold space for it all. And just like, let's just admit that this is true is that we seek fairness and equity. And yet we kind of set ourselves up. We sabotage that right from the get go, because we aren't fair to ourselves. We aren't giving ourselves an equal chance when we focus so much of our attention on other people and what they think and what they want and what they do and their accomplishments and what their lives look like. Authenticity is really this journey back to ourselves and valuing ourselves first. And I know that that is a challenging route to take because we're told that it's selfish or we're self-centered or we're not thinking about the collective where we've become individualistic and we shy away from that because we don't like being judged because we hear all those things as being bad but there is space for these things to be good. We that, That's the other crazy thing about us humans is we seek balance and we're not balanced when most of our attention is outside of us. We need to bring more attention inside. 
So this episode is carrying on from episode 25 when we explore the definition of authenticity and what it means to us. And I hope between then and now you've had some time to ponder and reflect and to wonder and to get curious and to play with where you're at in terms of what authenticity means to you and how you want to bring that out in your life. For me, Brene Brown's definition is still the most useful when it comes to practicing authenticity on an everyday basis. So I'm going to repeat it again. Let's do a recap. (laughs) Authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. And so how do we actually do that? Well, in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, she talks about cultivating authenticity by letting go of what other people think. And letting go of what other people think is probably the biggest thing that's getting in most of our ways of showing up and allowing ourselves to truly be seen because we're worried about being judged. We're worried that we won't be accepted, that we will be rejected or that we will end up alone. And when we're alone, we will die. Right. (laughs) And what comes into play here when we are managing other people's judgment of us, when we're trying to control this external narrative, that is our ego right in the front of that combat. I'm picturing like the old school Braveheart when both sides are in a giant field and they're facing each other. And the leader of each side is the ego. And they are sitting on their big horses with their faces painted and their hair big and wild and blowing in the wind. And The ego's mission is to control the outcome of that war, right? The ego's mission is to make sure that you survive and survival is winning. And so the ego's mission really is to control the experience. And so it is holding on because it has to protect or it has to get something, right? Like it has to protect the safety of you, or it has to gain something so that you get more power, which more power creates more safety. And the more we have feelings of fear or wanting, the tighter the controlling grip happens. So letting go of control and letting life be as it is means that you actually have to surrender a bit. And when it comes to war, the ego doesn't want to do that. The ego does not want to surrender because to the ego, surrender is death. And again, the ego's role is necessary for our survival. We don't want the ego to die because we need the ego to stay alive. But really letting go is the last thing the ego ever wants to do. It will avoid, it will resist whatever is unpleasant and it will grasp for and secure itself to whatever is comfortable, whatever is certain, whatever will make it win and make it feel powerful. And that has nothing to do with letting go. The ego is the controller and the ego takes us out of our present moment. And so why am I bringing up the ego right now? Well, it's because the ego isn't you. 
the ego isn't your authentic self. It's part of you. And I guess this part, I, I, I kind of get a kind of, I get confused around this part because we think of ourselves as a whole. So our ego is part of ourselves as the whole, but it's not the authentic self. But if you think of the authentic self as the whole, then the ego is part of it. So how about we just acknowledge that the ego is there. We accept that it is there. We invite it in as part of our authentic self, but we don't let it be the driver. How about that? We let a different part of our authentic self be the driver when it's necessary, because sometimes the ego needs to be the driver. What does it feel like when you are so concerned about what other people think? What does that feel like for you? What does that look like in your life? I'll tell you a story from my working career. One time I had a boss who I would say is an authentic, a very authentic person. He knows who he is and he does what he does and he owns up to his mistakes and he's human. So he's not perfect, but he's pretty true to what he tells you what he thinks. He acts the way he thinks. He's pretty consistent in who he is. And so at this point in time, when I was working with him, I asked him, you know, I was asking him for acknowledgement of the work that I was doing, of the impact that I was making in the organization. I was asking him to validate my, my role there. And he's like, Karen, why do you need so much external validation? Why do you need me to tell you that you're worth something? And that hit hard. At first, I thought it was really mean. (laughs) But over time, I realized he was telling me the truth. I was just always asking and kind of begging for it. I was like desperate for this external validation. And it's because I wasn't giving it to myself. So it felt really heavy. And I always felt like I was looking for something but I in other people, but I couldn't get it from them. And I tried to control all those situations and kept wondering why nothing was happening. And it was frustrating and it was confusing. And I just kept changing myself to try to see if I would get a different response from other people. And I just kept getting the same result. And it was not until I really woke up to my own awareness of who I am and what I want to be to things start changing. So I have this analogy of what it feels like to be shopping around for what other people think of you so that you feel like you're good enough, so that you feel like you belong, so that you feel like you're okay. It feel this is the analogy. It sometimes feels like a long day of shopping. Now, it might not work for you if you love shopping, but just hear me out, okay? Because you still might get something from it. So you are heading out with the best intentions. You are, you know that you want to buy something. You need something for a certain occasion. Maybe you have a list of exactly the items that you want, how much you're willing to spend. And you have the occasion in mind of when you're going to wear these beautiful clothes and how amazing you're going to feel. And you go from store to store trying stuff on and you just start feeling not sure. You're standing in the change room in front of the mirror and wondering, hmm, does this look good on me? Will, do people think 
Like, what do people see? Asking other people in the change room what they think. And then the store associates give you suggestions and they start bringing you in more outfits to try on. And because you're open to ideas, you try on these outfits and you give them a chance. And they're standing there saying, oh my gosh, you look so amazing. Or no, that doesn't look good on you. And you end up leaving the store with way more than you went in for. And then the similar pattern happens at the next 12 stores you go into. And before you know it, you've got way more bags than you can carry. They're so heavy, more outfits than you will ever wear. You have spent way more money than you have. And when you get home, your feet are tired. Your hands are like kind of raw from all the shopping bags. And you take everything up to your bedroom and you bring them all out and you start thinking, do I even love anything I bought? And so you start hiding it all in the back of the closet. You stuff it and you shut the door and you fall into your bed. You're exhausted, you're broke and confused. That's what it feels like for me when I'm shopping around for opinions and ideas and thoughts and feelings, trying to please other people based on what they think I should be. Does this resonate for you? Does this sound familiar? And it's important to notice this feeling because then you can be aware of when it's time to let go. Because here's the first thing of the steps of letting go of what others think is, do you even realize that you're holding on to it? Do you even realize that you're grasping for validation or compliments or acknowledgement? Do you realize that you're holding on to other people's opinions and expectations so much that you forgot to shop for your own? You forgot to actually ask yourself, well, what color do I want to wear? What kind of material feels good? Do I like the way that this is draping my body? Do I like the way, can I see these outfits matching the accessories I might already have? Like you are so focused on holding all these other shopping bags, looking to the store clerk, looking to the other ladies shopping in the change rooms that you actually forgot to look in the mirror and ask yourself. Here's another analogy of what it feels like. Because basically what's happening when we are focusing so much on what other people think, we are losing our own power. We're actually out of our own control because ultimately we don't have control of what another person thinks. I like to describe it this way because this is how it feels for me sometimes when I feel out of control. It feels like I'm falling. So imagine you are like, in this black void and you're falling and all you're trying to do is take control. And for me, like I'm flailing my arms, trying to reach for whatever I can grab. I'm flipping and I'm turning. I've totally lost my orientation because I'm like trying to look around for what's up, what's down. And I'm screaming because I'm terrified. I have no control. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm trying to avoid hitting the ground. But hitting the ground is inevitable. Actually, hitting the ground, I think, would give me relief. But the funny thing about falling is I'm more afraid of 
hitting the bottom than the actual fall. So this is how I get myself out of it. I, I got to think, well, what if I just let myself fall without all this chaos? What if I could actually float down? What if I could actually enjoy this fall? Like, you know, when you see people jump out of an airplane and they've got like the professional parachuter attached to their back and they're like, yeah, and their faces, the skin is blowing up in their face and they're like looking at the camera. They've got those goofy goggles on and they're like doing thumbs up and they're just like all four limbs are up and they're just flying and they're enjoying it. They're having so much fun, free falling. And then when you do hit the ground, Uh, We don't know what's going to be down there, but maybe I could have fun falling. And when I hit the ground, I could just get up and start walking. Or if maybe I'm going to fall into some water, I can make like a huge splash and I could swim. Because the thing is, I'm not physically falling. It's all in my mind. This fear, this need for certainty and control, it's all in my mind. I'm physically safe. That's what it feels like for me when I'm out of control. So I want to ask the first question again. What are you grasping for or holding on to? When you feel like you're flailing, when you are grasping for someone to say, good job, or you're worth it, or you're holding on to the idea of who you think the perfect you should look like, or holding on to the perfect you in the perfect circumstance, like you've already mastered the skill. So you never fall short ever again, or you never waver in your discipline. When you say you do something, you do it and you're smashing goals consistently without fail. Like that is the perfect person that I often envision that I should be, that I'm supposed to be, or maybe you have to be the person who says always the right thing. Or are you reaching? Are you grasping for a guarantee? Like that certainty, because in the moment you don't think you're okay and you don't think you will be okay. And if all those unsafe feelings are happening, you don't know if you're going to be okay. And because you're not in the moment, you're actually in some other scenario in your head. You're living a totally different story than the present moment. You're like actually having an out of body experience. This is what like that grasping and holding on to something could feel like. It could also look like I picture the game show where the contestant steps into a glass case and it's like, it looks like a shower stall and she puts on a pair of goggles to protect her eyes. And the audience is watching the timer and everyone counts down. Five, four, three, two, one. And the buzzer goes off and the contestant's hair starts lifting and blowing around. And everyone is in suspense of what will happen next until cash starts swirling around the case. And like everyone squeals with excitement. She's got to get, she's got to grab the cash. And the contestant starts grabbing around her, but she's also trying to keep her skirt from blowing up and showing her undies. And the paper bills are like hitting her face and her hair is getting in her mouth. And she's like spitting it out. And She probably can't even hear the audience cheering for her and she's probably not even breathing and her heart is pounding and she's so stressed and under pressure. That's another state of like grasping and holding, right? So the next step, once we realize we are grasping for something and holding onto something, once we have the awareness of that, I want to bring us the, the next step is to come into your body, like 
the question that you ask, what's right in front of you? What's happening in you? And question number two, what's right in front of you? What's happening within you? We want to come back to our body. Let's bring our awareness back. And I have an exercise for you. I want you to make a fist, make a fist with both of your hands and just start squeezing and keep squeezing. And this is what the body and mind are doing when they're trying to protect or control or hold on, right? And just keep squeezing tighter and tighter and tighter. Notice as you do, it's kind of painful. Like my fingernails are digging into my palms right now. Actually, my wrists are starting to cramp and it's tiring, right? Also notice that you're not breathing. Like I'm kind of holding my breath and I'm hunkering down my whole body. Actually, like my full body is clenched. I'm not noticing, you know, what's around me. If somebody needed help, I would be squeezing right now. <laughs> I dropped something. I would be so slow to re- to react. You know, and like we totally disconnect from the world around us, the world within us when we're squeezing. Is that happening for you right now? Now I want you to like slowly discontinue squeezing, like slowly release the squeeze and just start loosening your hands. Start letting go, let go of the squeezing. And as you do, notice what's happening in the moment. Do you feel your blood coming back into your hands? Do you feel like this kind of like balance your hands are tingling again (laughs) and there's some flow again, some ease, some space. You can, your whole body starts to relax and feel more calm. And your attention is not just so tight on your hands. It can kind of widen. So in the second question, when we ask what's right in front of you, we are taking an inventory of our body of our minds, of our emotional states. We're asking, what are you thinking? What are you feeling in your body? What are you noticing that you're doing? See, the thing is when our attention is so focused on what other people think, we don't hear our own thoughts. When we're thinking, will they like it? We're not asking ourselves, do I like it? When we're obsessing about what will they think? We're not asking ourselves, what do I think is right for me? We feel so doubtful and second guessing and uncertain because that's the zone we're playing in. So when we're focused on what another person thinks, we never know. And we don't like the feeling of that uncertainty and that creates in us, right? And when we're focused on curating another person's experience of us, what are we doing for our own experience? That's the fist clenching. And so what's right in front of me? What's right now in this present moment? Come back to who you are. What do you value? What are your strengths? Who are you becoming? What are you working toward? When we open up to what we know to be true and what is within our control, we actually naturally let go of the uncertainty and the control. That's not ours. We open up to what is ours to receive, to give, to create. So it's kind of like if, if you have the other person of what they're thinking on your right hand, right? And you keep staring at your right hand and 
you're going to first start forgetting what your left hand looks like. You can bring them both hands in front of you and consider, well, what do I think? And what do the other, does the other person think? Or you can just even focus on your left hand, but Hey, you have to, you have to bring the hands together or you have to bring your attention. You have to bring your attention to yourself. Okay. Now the final third point, the third question to ask yourself is who will you be and what will you do? So once you realized that you're holding on to somebody else's approval or what they think of you, and then second, you came into, well, what do I think of me? What do I want? What do I approve of? Now you can move forward with action. You can ask, who do I want to be right now? And what does that person want to do? When we practice authenticity, right? It is about self-ownership and self-accountability. We are stepping into our authority. We are the boss of ourselves. We get to decide. There's that quote that I brought up in our last episode from Margaret Young. And she wrote, often people attempt to live their lives backwards. They try to have more things or more money in order to do more of what they want so that they will be happier. The way it actually works though, is the reverse. You must first be who you really are, then do what you really need to do in order to have what you want. And this is the big step is actually defining who do you want to be so that you can do accordingly. There's a Thai meditation master named Agan Cha. He offers this quote, which is the last piece of this. The gifts of letting go. If you let go a little, you'll find a little peace. If you let go a lot, you'll find a lot of peace. If you let go absolutely, you'll find absolute peace and tranquility. I hope that these three questions that I've mentioned for you help you find that peace. These three questions are really built on like a framework that I've been working on for myself to offer in coaching. And right now I'm calling it the muse way. Should I be saying this? Yes, of course I should. I could tell you my work in progress so far. And it's, it simplifies those three questions even more. So it distills them into three words. Let's go back to alliterations, right? Like authenticity is built on A's. First, it is about the awareness. What am I holding on to? What am I grasping for? And then two is acknowledge. Acknowledge what's right in front of you. What is happening in your body? What do you know and what can you accept as is without judgment? And then three is action. Knowing what you're aware of, knowing what you have acknowledged and accepted, how will you move forward and act with that? And it's all aligned with our core values, our strengths, and the vision that we have for our life of who we want to be, what we want to give, what we want to invite in and receive, what do we want to create, 
how we want to connect, all these things come into alignment. The A's of authenticity. Let me know what you think about that and how it could help you. It, the awareness piece has been so key. It is really the catalyst, the starting point, and it, it, awareness just puts me in awe every single day. And so if anything, if you get anything from this, I hope that you take away that awareness piece. When you notice that you are giving away your power because you're paying all your attention to what somebody else thinks, come back to yourself, ask yourself, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Try to to spend less time with why, because why could keep you in this kind of spiral where you will just be negotiating with yourself, but asking what will actually move you into more clarity and into more action. Okay. Here's the call to adventure. My friends, I'll leave you with one last action thing to take with you. Just notice what does holding on feel like for you and what would letting go offer? I'm going to finish just like I promised with the poem. She let go by Sapphire Rose. And please let me know what you think of the episode. Is it useful for you? Maybe what aha moments you had. Ahas are also part of authenticity. (laughs) And I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at karenchoy.co or set up a discovery call. If all these things are making sense to you, but there's some gaps that you need help to fill in. Let's chat. All right, here is the poem, and I will send you on your way. She let go. She let go. Without a thought or a word, she let go. She let go of the fear. She let go of the judgments. She let go of the confluence of opinions swarming around her head. She let go of the committee of indecision within her. She let go of all the right reasons. Wholly and completely, without hesitation or worry, she just let go. She didn't ask anyone for advice. She didn't read a book on how to let go. She didn't search the scriptures. She just let go. She let go of all of the memories that held her back. She let go of all the anxiety that kept her from moving forward. She let go of the planning and all of the calculations about how to do it just right. She didn't promise to let go. She didn't journal about it. She didn't write the projected date in her daytimer. She made no public announcement and put no ad in the paper. She didn't check the weather report or read her daily horoscope. She just let go. She didn't analyze whether she should let go. She didn't call her friends to discuss the matter. She didn't do a five-step spiritual mind treatment. She didn't call the prayer line. She didn't utter one word. She just let go. No one was around when it happened. There was no applause or congratulations. No one thanked her or praised her. No one noticed a thing. Like a leaf falling from a tree, she just let go. There was no effort. There was no struggle. It wasn't good and it wasn't bad. It was what it was, and it is just that. In the space of letting go, she let it all be. 
A small smile came over her face. A light breeze blew through her. And the sun and the moon shone forevermore. I love you, Muse. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Secret Muse Society. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review this podcast so other modern muses like you can find us too. I invite you to continue the conversation and connect with me on Instagram at karenchoy.co. Join me next week for more secrets inspired by you. I'm Karen Choi. Until next time, stay gold. Stay gold.